good evening, <clears throat> Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Wow, starting off bad with, with a <clears throat> frog in my throat. Welcome to another episode of Steelers Friday Night Six Pack. I am your host, Tony Defio. <clears throat> and I thank you for joining me on, joining me on this lovely, kind of humid, but still pretty good Friday night in Pittsburgh. And as I always say, if you're not in Pittsburgh, I hope it's a lovely Friday night or Saturday or Sunday or whenever you're watching or listening to this podcast, I hope it's a, a lovely time wherever you are right now. And uh, before I continue, as always, I'd like to ask you to please subscribe to our Behind the Store Curtain YouTube channel. And, and of course, like, like, like the channel. We bring you live shows each and every day and night, including this show. Uh, earlier tonight, on Friday night, we had the Touchdown Under Show with Maddie Peverall and Mark Davison. We have uh, the Steelers Q&A on Sunday. Uh, that's with uh, d- different hosts every week. Um, I'll be back on in a couple weeks or maybe, no, next week. Next week with uh, Jeremy Betts, I believe. Yes, Jeremy Betts. But we have different hosts every week. That's every Sunday night. Uh, there's Bad Language. That's on Sundays. That's with Brian Anthony Davis. Um, we Run the North. That's with Kevin Tate. Uh, Monday, we have The Hangover with Brian. You were truly in the great Shannon White. And he wrote a great article the other day about, about Merrill Hodge's uh, opinions on Devin Bush. I thought that was a pretty, pretty, pretty good article. Uh, Shannon's really good. He's really good. He's got a great uh, presence in podcasts. He offers really uh, cool insight. You know, yeah, I, I enjoy him. And of course, uh, Tuesday, we have the Scobro Show with a Dave Schofield and his big brother Rich. We have we have the curtain call every off season, uh, aka know your enemy in a regular season. That's with uh, Jeffrey Benedict and and Shannon White. Thursday we have the preview with Jeff Hartman, Brian Anthony Davis, our pro- podcasting producer, the hardest working man in show business, and Dave Schofield. And uh, I think that's all for the live shows. Also, um, you can catch these live shows live on Facebook. So if you're watching me on Facebook right now, you know that. And uh, please uh, don't make fun of that frog in my throat that I had when I first, literally the first second I came on the air. And of course, you can check out all of our live shows after the fact on any audio platform of your choosing. I personally like iHeartRadio, but whatever floats your boat, it'll float your podcast. So please check us out. And of course, we have audio-only shows that we, 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 we record, and then we bring them to you after the fact. Brian edits them, and we get them out to you. And that includes the, the Stat Geek with Dave Schofield, Let's Ride with Jeff Hartman, The Live Mic with Michael Beck, The War Room with Maddie Peverall, What He's Talking About with Kyle Kreiss, The Steelers Half Hour, Power Hour with Chris Pugh, um, did I miss anything? I don't think so. Please check those out. And again, you can check them, you can catch them on any audio platform. And of course, check out Behind the Steel Curtain, the website where we bring you news, commentary, film breakdown. Anytime there's breaking news, anytime there's a trade, anytime there's a free agent signing, anytime there's anytime somebody retires, we're gonna bring it to you. And anytime somebody from another team retires who used to play for the Steelers, like BJ Finney. We're going to bring it to you. So please check that out. It's your one-stop shop for all your Steelers needs. 
And let's see who we have in the live chat. And I already know Jared Devil was number one. I saw him. Kathy Ford is with us. Steeler Chick 46 is with us tonight. So welcome. Steelers Pittsburgh. Ryan O'Toole, George Teston, Brian Brown. And I think I got everybody so far. It's a wonderful crew as always. And I thank you. And Kathy Ford says, Tony, drawing your usual crowd. Hi, all. Yes. It's my usual crowd. You guys are you guys are my family on Friday nights. You keep me awake. If it wasn't for you guys, I'd probably be asleep or watching some bad TV. Who knows? Or great TV. You never know. So as the title suggests, the Steelers have just finished up their three phases of OTAs, or third phase, and that led into mandatory minicamp, which is pretty much like OTAs, except you have to be there or people get mad, although they get mad when you don't go to OTAs too. So, But they that just concluded on Thursday, and now the Steelers are, are officially in the quiet part of the offseason. I mean... I, for one thing, I can't believe it's it's June 10th as I'm streaming this podcast. I cannot believe it. I mean, just think it, it was only yesterday. It felt like it was only yesterday anyway that we were sitting around uh, pretty depressed, but probably pre- pretty realistically so too, watching the Steelers get dismantled by the Chiefs in the uh, wild card round at Arrowhead Stadium. I believe that was January 13th or 17th or it was – Anyway, it was five months ago, and uh, we we got through that. Big Ben's retirement, free agency, and Steelers' pretty uh, active uh, week or two in free agency. And signed Mr. Bisky. I mean, my gosh, uh, Miles Jack, you name it. They they kept signing people. It was great. And of course, the the draft season with all the mock drafts, and then the draft itself, and then the fallout. My goodness. Not only did they sign Mitch Trubisky, but they drafted Kenny Pickett. And then, of course, he went through all the OTAs, as I just mentioned. And now here we are. It's June. It's almost the middle of June. And that means that we're roughly six weeks away from the start of training camp. So that means we have about six weeks of quiet Steeler news. One would hope. I think at this point... The only thing you would want to come out of these next six weeks is if if you're into this sort of thing, and I know a lot of people are, and that's the signing of another veteran free agent or a younger free agent, whatever, a free agent that that, that could help them. I don't know if there are any out there. Uh, last week I was pretty uh, pro start finding out what you have with the defensive line, your own defensive line, your, your younger players. So who knows what their plans are going to be. Last year they signed – Trey Turner around this time. Of course, he was to replace David DeCastro, who they had to release. And uh, it was in July that they signed Melvin Ingram. And of course, uh, during the preseason, they traded for Joe Schobert, uh, Akilah Witherspoon. So they were pretty active uh, all the way up through the quiet part, training camp, and even the preseason with transactions. So those are probably what you'd like to hear if you want them to sign somebody. The other stuff, what else can you what else can you find out about these guys other than you know who's playing with a chip on their shoulder, who's um, 
who's putting in the work, who's, who's continuing to put in the work. And uh, you'll find that out via social media, of course, both the chip on their shoulder people and the people putting in the work. They're pretty active on social media this time of year. So um, I thought Jeff published a pretty interesting article and it ties into what I was saying a few weeks ago about guys like Kendrick Green and, and, and Calvin Austin, the third, what they, what they do after their first season into their second season. And that was about Fryermuth, Pat Fryermuth putting on muscle this off season. According to him, he went right to work with his trainer after the, after the season, after his rookie year of 2021. And he started hitting the weights hard and I'm sure other forms of, uh, of uh, training. And uh, as he tells it, he's bigger and stronger, but he's lighter. Either way, he's, his, he's transformed his, his uh, body, which is a common theme, I think. You know, like I said before, it's a common th- theme for these uh, first-year players that are heading into their second year. I think they, they realize going through that rookie process with the, the uh, increase in the number of games you have to play, the fact that they're actually working, and it's a, you're not just um, – um, you don't, you, you, you're expected that you could be at the, at the facility for as long as your coaches want you there. As far as when, when you're talking about meetings and stuff like that, you're, you know, sometimes you're, you're, you're putting in long days and of course, you know, so of course the physical toll of it, even though the practices are lighter than they've ever been during the season, I'm sure that takes a, a, a toll on you both mentally and physically. Um, and of course, probably emotionally too. I mean, it's your, it's probably for, for most of these guys, it's their first ever job and it, it happens to be in the national football league, uh, in front of millions of people every week. That's, that's where they're, they're, they're uh, learning their craft. That's where they get to be the new guy in their office is the world. So I'm sure it's a grind all the way around for them. So when they get into the off season, they, they, most of them probably realize, look, if I want to make it in this league, if I want to reach my full potential, I got to really uh, train hard in the offseason. So Pat Fryermuth is the latest example of that. Um, last year it was Alex Highsmith, and we, we saw the physical transformation of him. And I expect to see that next year with guys like, like I said before, uh, Calvin Austin. So I thought that was pretty interesting. So you're, you're, you're going to hear more stories like that over the next six, seven weeks until training camp rolls around. Uh, you always hear the stories about the, the guys or they have a chip on a massive chip on their shoulder. And if somebody like Mason Rudolph doesn't, <laughs> if he doesn't have a chip on his shoulder right now, he's not, he doesn't have blood in his veins because I mean, this guy, you know, obviously the, the fans have written him off. Um, the team has, has, has uh, recruited two pretty tangible replacements uh, for Ben Roethlisberger over him. And that's Mitch, Mitch Trubisky and, and, and Kenny Pickett. So uh, Mason Rudolph, certainly somebody who <laughs> would have a chip on their shoulder. So you're going to hear those stories. And I'm sure, I'm sure you're going to hear stories about unsavory social media activity. And let's be real. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take much for, for these guys to peeve off the fans and the media who, who let's all say it together. love to stir the pot, you know, so is it going to be a milk crate challenge? Is it going to be some tasteless joke like we heard last year with Devin Bush? Uh, what's it going to be? I'm sure you're going to have some of that in the, over these next six weeks. Because let, let's let's be real, the, the NFL 
never wants to sleep. It's like Las Vegas or New York or whatever. It never wants to sleep. It never wants to lose your attention. So every little bit of news that they can that they can blow up into something bigger, they're going to do it. And you're probably going to have your your national types, which they've been doing the last few years, coming out and saying the Steelers have absolutely no chance of doing anything this year, regardless of who the quarterback is. It's their time in the cellar, and they have to accept that. So you're going to have some of that, I'm sure. Um, so, you know, these next six weeks are – it might be a quiet time for them, the players themselves, but for the for the fans and the media – excuse me, for the fans in the media, I'm sure they're going to find lots of things to talk about. And uh, I'm anxious to see what that is. But regarding the last uh, week or so of, of these voluntary slash mandatory practices, I thought it was uh, interesting that uh, what you saw with, um, and I have an article coming out about this. I think it's coming. It was supposed to be, be published today, but I guess they, they moved it back. It's not Najee Harris's uh, his dance with the uh, the media the other day regarding his weight and how he was. They were kind of trying to imply last week when it, when this was tweeted by Mark Caboli, a couple other people joined in. I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure they were they were trying to imply that, that that Najee Harris was he came into the OTAs heavy or heavier than he was last year, and the one guy. Dov Kleiman or Don, whatever, I forget his name. I included it in the article, but I can't remember his name. But you'll read it in the article. He listed his, his rookie uh, weight and height from last year, 232, six foot one or whatever, implying that, hey, this guy gained 12 pounds. This is his rookie year. Is this muscle? Is this fat? What is he doing? Is he letting himself go? And of course, you, you can see just by the still photos you see of Najee Harris at OTAs and mini, in minicamp that he's still the same old physical specimen that he was last year and in college. The guy's built like a brick, you know what, like my grandfather used to say, uh, a brick spit house. I'll just say that, you know, the guy's um, a physical specimen. There's no worries about his weight. If he's, if he, if he wants to look like that and play a 245, I think he'll be okay. And he went on to explain to the media the, the scrum of reporters that were around him at his locker on, uh, I guess it was Tuesday or Wednesday that, Hey, last year I might've been listed at two thirty-two, but I actually played a two forty-two. right now. I'm two forty-four, but you're always heavier this time of year. And by the time camp rolls around and we get through camp, I'm going to be lighter. So I'm probably going to be two forty-two again. You know, these guys, most of them, they monitor every little thing that they put in their body. Their, their workouts are extremely regimented. Uh, so if he if if he's planning on being 242 buddy in the training camp, he's probably going to be 242. Again, these guys are most of them are, are finely tuned athletes. They uh, they know their bodies like most people know the back of their hands. I mean, it, it's just which is redundant, I guess. But so I just thought that was funny, and and the way he handled it was was great. I mean, he was funny. He was um, he kind of let them know, look, you guys are you get under my skin. Uh, you know, but he let him know that in a funny way that you know they they were trying to pull a, pull one, and his exact words were, "Y'all are making me seem like I'm bad as hell." And that just had me on the floor when I heard it. I mean, that was perfect because that's what they were making him seem like. They were saying he was bigger than Jerome Bettis, and 
I think one of the reporters, I, I was trying, I, I listened to it like four or five times. I'm, I'm pretty sure one of the reporters chimed in and said, Jerome was like 290 towards the end. And I think we all can agree he was pretty close to that. He wasn't uh, 244 by the end. He might have been when he first arrived in Pittsburgh in 1996. If you go back and watch some of those old games when he first came here, I mean, there's no gut or anything. The guy, I mean, he was obviously very big, but he wasn't the, uh, the guy we, we remember at the end when he, when he was uh, plowing people over in, uh, in Super Bowl 40 right before he retired. So uh, he was letting him know that, look, you, you, you guys are trying to say something that's not true. And, and what I like about today's player uh, overall, I mean, obviously there are always exceptions. There are always people that are going to be shy or bad with, you know, you know inarticulate when I talk to the media because they're nervous. Believe me, I know what that's like. But by and large, I think most of these modern athletes are so much better with the media than any time throughout history because they grew up in the social media age. They've been trained by their colleges and their agents. And who knows, maybe even their, the teams that drafted them. Look, look, this is how you handle the media. And they're just so comfortable simply because of social media, doing podcasts and TikTok and they're so they're so comfortable in front of the camera. Just they're they're always acting goofy and performing and being silly. They're not nervous like they used to be. I mean, most of them have thousands of followers. I mean, they're used to having an audience. They're used to everything that they say um, being liked and retweeted and, and commented on th a thousand times over, almost within the first hour that they they do it. I mean, obviously. They're not like, you know, international celebrities who, you know, the second they, they, they tweet something, it's, it's retweeted 5 million times. But, you know, compared to the average citizen, they're pretty famous. So they're, I think they're, they're, they're much more savvy than, than they've ever been. And they're, they're their own brand. And we talk about that a lot, but how these guys, you know, oh, they're worried about their brand, you know, but really, I mean, they, they are pretty good at managing their own PR. You know, and we see that uh, in so many cases now with, with, with people. And I think Najee Harris is, you know, I think we're just we're just beginning to get to know this guy. And I think he's, you know, when, when you're talking about a, a new slate of leaders, a, a new uh, group of personalities that, that they're going to come in and lead the team into the future. You know, somebody like Harris, I mean, I think he could be he has the, the ability to be front and center. The guy that is the new leader of the team. Obviously, you want the quarterback to be that guy uh, in some form or fashion, but just that guy, that that the guy that held things together in, in the locker room. I mentioned Jerome Bettis. Uh, there was no question. If you if you listen to his teammates that played with him, he was one of the leaders in that locker room uh, throughout his his uh, time in Pittsburgh. As were you know Joey Porter, um, and, and they all pretty much, with the exception of of of, of Bettis, who came who came here in '96, that. Super Bowl 40 team, for example, they all pretty much came up together at the same time. Uh, Heinz Ward, Alan Fanica, say Townsend, uh, you know, Farrier came along a little bit later, Casey Hampton <clears throat> uh, in 01, Aaron Smith, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They all sort of came together. They came into the league or came onto the, into the Steelers uh, locker room at the same time, roughly at the same time. And, you know, you're seeing that now. You're seeing that with these, these new crop of players, uh, you know, we, obviously we had uh, Juju for a few years there. He, he moved on, but, uh, you know, people like TJ Watt, of course, Cam Hayward's been, been 
playing that role for a number of years. He, he's been the leader of, of that lo locker room. Um, and, you know, of course, people that he came up with, like like uh, Marquise Pouncey, they, they were the leaders of that, of that locker room for a number of years. Well, now there's a, a void and you need more you need newer players to come come up and fill that void. And believe me, they they take that in consideration when they draft these guys. Because you know, how many how many draft picks when they come into the league are, are former team captains, right? You know, Devin Bush is a was a team captain at Michigan, I believe. You know, so that's what they're looking for. And and Najee Harris has the that the opportunity to be, I think, their 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 leader in 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 the. Uh, in the not so distant future. So, uh, and that's why it's going to be interesting to see, you know, Kenny Pickett's personality whenever you know, he's been pretty quiet so far um, throughout OTAs and minicamp. You haven't heard a whole lot from him. And I think that's mostly a good thing. I mean, if, if you were hearing things like, Oh geez, this guy looks lost. Or like I said before, he looks like he's a deer caught in the headlights. That would be a bad, maybe a bad sign. Not an alarming one, but, for a rookie, but, but you haven't heard that. So it's going to be interesting to see what, how his personality, uh, cause you know, we've heard things about how, you know, confident he is and, and, um, and how he's a natural leader and how he's somebody who's, he's one of those, uh, first guy in last guy out kind of quarterbacks, which, I mean, let's be honest. We didn't really all, we didn't always hear that about Ben Roethlisberger and I'm not saying anything bad about him, but, but he was certainly a different quarterback than, uh, what they're saying about Kenny Pickett and, uh, and, and even Mitch Trubisky, you know, he's quietly, I think, emerging as, as a team leader. I mean, you know, some of the things he's, he's saying in the media and, and what the guys are saying about him. And of course he, he had everybody down to Florida or as many people as he, as he could uh, back in April to train. So he's, he's, um, he's assuming that role as a leader. So, um, as long as he's, you know, if he can perform at a high level and, and stay on the field, I think he's going to be an effective leader for them and, and somebody that they're going to be willing to follow in that locker room. So I think that's pretty much all I have for that portion of it. What else did I want to talk about? I, I didn't have a whole, whole lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to touch on one more thing. Or maybe a couple more things. I, didn't get a, I really didn't get a chance to talk about it last week all that much because, you know, the stuff on to it news when him retiring. And I wanted to talk a lot about that. And I kind of put some other stuff aside for another show. And that's a little dust up last week involving Mason Rudolph, who I mentioned a few minutes earlier uh, when he was discussing the relationship between a veteran quarterback and somebody, a rookie coming in and the, that possible mentorship role that the veteran is supposed to take on and whether or not um, he should do that. And Rudolph basically said, you know, when asked how he would, how he would, um, how he would interact with Pickett, he said, you mean, you mean like somebody else? He was, he was referring to Ben Roethlisberger. Let's, you know, it's, it's, you know, and of course, you know, last week people were like, Oh, he shouldn't say stuff like that. He needs to let that go. Um, but he's the only one who had to deal with Ben Roethlisberger in that circumstance, as far as that relationship. 
the guy who didn't want to be his mentor, you know, and he spent four years, basically, if, if we're to believe uh, what reporters have said and, and read between the lines and the fact that Rudolph hasn't really said a whole heck of a lot about Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, if he really admired the guy, um, I'm pretty sure he would, he would have made that public. And if Ben, you know, had great things to say about Mason Rudolph, he would have made that public. So uh, he's the only one who had to deal with Ben Roethlisberger and that, and that kind of a demeanor for four years. So when people say, well, he shouldn't, he shouldn't say stuff in the media. Well, you know, I mean, we, we've all been in situations where we've been treated poorly at work or in, in a social setting. Maybe you're at a, with a social uh, a network of friends and there's just somebody that just does not like you. So, you know, maybe, you know, and I've had this happen to me a few times, like Facebook, like you're, you're, you're still involved in the same social network with someone. You see them all the time. And for some reason they decided to unfriend you. No explanation. They did that. And it's just an awkward thing. And like, what did I do? So we've all been in those kind of situations. And it's it's so stressful, you know, especially if it's work and you have to be around them uh, eight, nine, 10 hours a day, five, six, maybe even seven days a week sometimes. That's a stressful situation. So, you know, you want to vent about it. You, you know, when you want to vent to your friends, to your family, you're at happy hour and you're talking about you know, they're, everybody's getting together talking about this one person at work. Oh, so, you know, when, when, when Rudolph has asked questions about it, you know, I mean, we shouldn't be surprised that he responds and maybe he responds in a bit of a derogatory manner because he, he's the only one who had to go through it. Not, not us. So, you know, like I wrote in the article the other day, we're always going to revere Ben. I mean, I love Ben Roethlisberger. I love him you know, as a player, I, I do. He's one of my favorite Steelers. I'm always going to be grateful for what he did for this organization. You know, he took this organization and he lifted it out of the seventies because that's where the fans were living for 25, 26 years until he came along. Joey Porter said, over, you know, uh, you know, they just kept having these seventies reunions over and over again. We wanted to get a Super Bowl. So I'll always be grateful for what Ben did, did. to me. In my mind, he's the best quarterback in team history. Just a, a fantastic all-around player, great athlete, uh, fantastic arm in his day. Way more disciplined than people ever give him credit for or ever gave him credit for. But let's face it, none of us had to work with the guy. None of us had him as a teammate. None of us knew what he was like in that regard. So if Mason Rudolph has bad feelings for him, who are we to, to question that? So, you know, I, I just think it, I, that's another thing about it that I like about, about Mason Rudolph is yes, he's getting counted out. He's behind Trubisky and Kenny Pickett in the eyes of many when it comes to this quarterback composition, comp competition uh, in the eyes of many, he's not even in the competition, but the fact that he's, staying focused and, and, and hungry and, and, and uh, showing up every day and, do, and doing his job and preparing, to me, that's a good sign. Because, again, when you, know, when, you, when you move past, oh, Mr. Trubisky, they signed him. Oh, Kenny Pickett, they drafted him. That's great. At the end of the day, 
it's about finding the right guy. So whoever that happens to be, I'm going to be on board. So on that note, I think I've run out of things to say. As I said, it's the quiet part of the off season. So I will take the next 10 or 15 minutes and take some questions, answer some, highlight some comments. Let's see what we got tonight. Steel Chick 46 is with us. Who else we have here since I started rambling? Javier, Gene Smith. He says of Najee Harris, he can't be beat down. He, he has to stay healthy. That's right. So, you know, um, that's why you know, maybe he feels like he has to be 244. And it doesn't look like it's a bad 244. It looks like it's a pretty rock solid 244. So, if that's how he feels like he has to, if that's the weight he feels like he has to play at in order to uh, be productive and get through a season. Again, these guys, they're finely tuned athletes. They know their bodies better than any, like your average person. Like they, they know, um, you know, you know, every, you know, what, what, what they've eaten probably over the last week or so. I mean, they're very, they're, they're so, in tune with that. So if he feels like 244 is to wait for him, then, I mean, it, it was pretty good for him last year. This one is from Steelers Freak. Najee had 90% of the Steelers run touches. Taylor from the Colts was next at 70%. They can't continue to run him into the ground. That is why Bell burned out. Well, I mean, uh, that's Mike Tomlin's history. I mean, I don't see, I don't see, I don't see that changing. When he has a, when he has a franchise guy at running back, he's gonna say it with me, run him to the wheels, fall off. Um, but like we talked about last week, some guys are up for that challenge. You know, not not all, not every running back uh, gets um, uh, hits hits the wall by the fourth or fifth year. Some of them can play. 10, 15 years. Look at Frank Gore. We talked about him last week. So uh, I, I personally think Benny Snell's a, 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 a decent backup, but you know, nobody seems to like him anymore. So, you know, uh, can they, can they, can, would, would lessening his workload by 10% help him and still keep him effective and, 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 if, if so, then I'm all for it because, uh, to, to me, the, the if you can limit wear and tear on all these guys, regardless of, of position, it, there's a better chance that they're going to be effective all throughout the year. And it's, obviously, it's going to cut down on the chances of injury. Thanks, Mean Joe joins us, and he says, "I love the prospects of the new Steelers offense. I think it will." I think it still comes down to how much improvement up front I think we're set at quarterback, running back, and playmakers. Well, obviously the skill set, the skill position players are are I think they're extremely talented. Obviously, Najee Harris, we saw what he did last year. Pat Fryermuth, I mean, he showed a lot of potential last year. And and you know, with him working as hard as he has this year and 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 transforming his body, that should should make him even more effective going into his second year. And he's going to have the added benefit of, of a, a year of experience under his belt, uh, knowing the playbook being just being more comfortable. Now, obviously there's the, that 
the, the dynamic between him and maybe Harris doesn't have to worry about because he's a running back. And that's the, the, the dynamic between him and the quarterback, whether it's Trubisky or Pickett or, or Rudolph, you know, he's got to uh, develop chemistry with, with whoever the quarterback is. So that's, but yeah, you're right. You know, it, it's it all ultimately is going to come down to the offensive line. And we saw how the line compromised the offense the last two years in 2020 with the aging old offensive line. And last year with the, with the younger offensive line that was still fairly ineffective for, for most of the year. So yeah, it, 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 you know, it's, it's like the saying goes, uh, football is a game that's won in the trenches and that's, it sounds like a cliche, but it's mostly true. So yeah, you know, how, how much has Dan Moore improved? Uh, can, can, uh, can, can, uh, thoughts and, uh, can he be effective in this kind of blocking scheme, uh, which is more zone, zone blocking, more finesse, uh, obviously who's going to be the center. Is it going to be Mason Cole? Is it going to be Kendrick green? Um, I don't think too many people are worried about James Daniels, but there are a lot of people that are still concerned about, uh, Shooks for. So, uh, how this unit, how quickly it gels and meshes and, 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 and plays together, uh, how quickly that happens, it's going to go a long way in determining how well this offense performs this year. You know, as of course, well, whoever happens to be the starting quarterback, that guy has to be uh, extremely effective too. Javier, I can, I can, Javier Mori says he's joining us because he was going to go to a softball game, but his back is kind of tight. Sucks getting old. I heard that Javier. I just turned, uh, I just turned 50 and I was at a wedding last week. And this, another uh, example of how freakishly athletic these professional athletes are compared to your, your average, uh, mortal like me. I hurt my knee dancing. I woke up, you know, I came home from the wedding, fell asleep in my recliner, woke up in the middle of the night, ah, my right knee, I couldn't, I couldn't bend it. And it, it bothered me for two or three days dancing. So yeah, getting old. Whew. I hear, I hear that Javier. Hopefully you can, you can get to your next uh, softball game, but I thank you for joining me, joining the whole crew. Just me is with us by the way. And this is one, let's, let's see what, Ryan O'Toole has to say, this is about an autograph from Jerome Bettis, the, the legend. And he says, I got, I've got super cool autographs, framed posters of Jerome and two of Troy. Oh, Troy Paulo too. Cool presents from friends. That's, that's awesome. I mean, uh, during Bettis's rookie year, or not rookie year, his first year in Pittsburgh, um, my uncle, who's the same age as me, um, we were living together at the time. Uh, he was out somewhere. I don't know. I think maybe a, a, a bar or, or, a a someplace where they sold alcohol and, and Bettis came in and bought a six pack and, and, uh, I think he got a game his autograph. Uh, my sisters, uh, um, got me a Jerome Bettis, uh, autograph, terrible towel early in his Steelers career. Of course, I gave it to a friend a few years ago who gave me tickets to a Steeler game. So, you know, uh, pro bono, right? So, but yeah, that, that's that's pretty cool, uh, uh, Ryan, to have those. I mean, you're talking about two 
two Hall of Famers, two heroes of their most recent Super Bowl era. So that's pretty cool. And Mean Joe says, let's hope the D-line is better against the run. Well, that's where Tyson Alulu is going to factor in heavily. Um, he's really effective in that role, so he's going to have to turn back time and continue to be effective this year. And, of course, hopefully some uh, some of the younger guys will step up and, and, uh, and become good at that as well. And this is another one from Javier, and he's referring to the to the the new helmets. He says, "What is up with the weird helmet things for protection? Are they serious?" He knows knows it's for safety. My goodness, I thought it was a prank. Yeah, they do look rather silly. I saw I saw a bunch of people um, posting the uh, the picture of uh, what was his name from from um, Spaceballs uh, playing the, the Darth Vader role. He had the big. Uh, the big uh, helmet, and it, and it did look like that. It did look, it does look kind of silly, and and I'm pretty sure if they, it's not, it's not a permanent thing, or it's not going to be instituted this year. It's just an experiment for uh, how effective it could be in, in 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 limiting head trauma during games. Now, obviously, if if they if if they move towards that kind of helmet. I'm sure it's going to be more streamlined in the future. And of course it's not going to look like that during a game. I mean, that would be, that'd be a horrible, horrible, horrible marketing uh, tool, you know, but I'm sure it's just, it's just, they're just working out the kinks or, or they're, I shouldn't even say working out the kinks They're collecting data right now. Uh, since they were wearing them during OTAs and minicamp, which is totally, is basically contact free. I'm, I'm sure they were just, uh, seeing how the players moved in these, in these uh, helmets, this protective gear on top of their helmets, I assume. Uh, but it's not going to be implemented this year. I think, but if they are going to do something like that with a, a new helmet, a new newer and safer helmet in the future, by the time they roll it out for a, for a, a, a live game, regular season game, when the bullets start flying for real to quote Mike Tomlin, it's going to be far more streamlined. It's going to look a lot better. You know, I mean, the things that they can do today are, are amazing, but I am as a, as a longtime football enthusiast, enthusiast aficionado who does not want to see the, the league go the way of boxing. I am glad that they're work that they're continuing, continuing to work on finding ways to make the game safer when it comes to sp- specifically head trauma. Because, you know, if they don't, you know, they've already, they spent the last 12, 13 years doing what they could to make it safer with rule changes and, you know, emphasis on, on, you know, uh, getting rid of, you know, trying to legislate certain things out of the game. So if this helps that, I'm all for it. So it it was a pretty weird sight, though, to see, uh, to see those pictures. Thanks, Mean Joe says. I have a man cave with auto Steeler picks. The Mean Joe Green Coke commercial. One of Lambert, one of Ham, one of Russell. Andy Russell, the great Andy Russell, very underrated. 
One of Otto Troy inter- interception scooping ball inches from the ground. That's, that was against the Chargers in 08. Yeah, that, that's that's pretty cool. And this one is from Gene Smith. Rudolph is liked by the Berg. I just don't think he likes the Berg. I don't know where you get that from, Gene Smith. But I'm sure he would like the Berg if um, if he won the starting job and became really su- successful. But he's been here for four years, five years. I mean, he, he's had chances to leave. And he's back. So, this one from Steelers Pittsburgh. Mason had to tiptoe around Ben Roethlisberger and never said a word about it for years. Yeah, well, I mean, how could he? He couldn't go public with anything when the big guy was still in the building. I mean, you talk about a a toxic work environment if that were to happen. And he really didn't say a whole heck of a lot about it. Uh, He just, you know, it was three little words like someone else. And then he, he elaborated and he basically in a way sympathized with the plight of the veteran quarterback saying it's a weird, basically it's a weird situation where you, you know, you know, this person's being brought in to, to essentially be groomed to take your job. And, you know, you're expected to, to show them the way and to mentor them. So I I get it. uh, Why Roethlisberger may have been threatened and he's not the first quarterback to feel threatened um, it, even if you don't want to mentor somebody, I mean, it sounds like it, it went beyond men, like him, him uh, refusing to mentor Rudolph. It, it, it sounds to me like he kind of uh, gave him the cold shoulder, uh, phased him out, um, marginalized him. And that's not a cool thing. It just isn't. But, you know, he's a human being. We all make mistakes. Again, it takes nothing away from how I feel about Ben Roethlisberger as a player. And again, we don't even know. We don't. We still don't really know the whole story. Maybe it'll come out someday, and maybe they'll mend fences, and maybe they'll they'll uh, become friends. And if that happens, and that increases the chances that in the meantime, Rudolph is the starting quarterback of the Steelers and has a successful career here. So we'll see. Just me says about bubble wrap. Somebody mentioned put these guys in bubble wrap. Um, just me, who, who's a regular, says Brady's been meaning Tom Brady's been in, been in bubble wrap for years. Well, he certainly gets protected. Of course, most quarterbacks of that stature throughout history get preferential treatment. I mean, let's let's be real. I mean, you know, Big, Big Ben didn't get that kind of treatment uh, by and large. Neither than a player like Cam Newton, but. When you get the reputation as a big brooding quarterback who likes to, you know, mix it up uh, and you're not afraid of contact. I think these, uh, these are officials are, are a little less likely to, to protect you, but you know, Ben had a, a really great and long career, so you can't complain too much, I guess. Ryan O'Toole says that Ben Roethlisberger's final few years here, Ben deserved better than to finish his career behind the O-line. He had his final two seasons. What the thing about it is, excuse me, you know, they were, they were in, in a transition phase. And as I've talked about before, you know, it's, it's hard to, to rebuild on the fly, which is, which is what they always try to do. They're they're They always have one foot in contending and one foot in, rebuilding when they when they have when they feel like they have to rebuild they don't they they don't ever do it you know they don't ever go all in when it comes to rebuilding so 
you know, they had to, they had to rebuild the line on the fly. It was unfortunate. Uh, I don't think anybody could foresee that, you know, Pouncey and DeCastro and, and Big Al and, and those guys would all kind of age out at once, which is essentially what happened. I mean, Pouncey was not all that effective his last year. Al Villanueva wasn't all that effective. Ramon Foster had already retired by 2020. Uh, DeCastro was, was injured and in, ineffective in, in all year. So it, it kind of just snuck up on them all at once. And then they had to, to rebuild the whole thing from scratch basically in 2021. And, and, you know, the results were, were mixed at best. So it was an unfortunate thing that he had to play behind that line, but what are you going to do? I mean, he's not the first quarterback that where things were kind of ugly for him at the end of his career. Hey, we got a $5 super chat from thanks me and Joe. I haven't had one in a while. Let's see what, what thanks me and Joe and thank you for the five bucks. And he says, I heard I heard both Gentry Gentry and Little Hayward were impressive at tight end during uh, impressive at tight end position during training camp. Care to care to touch on that? Well, I mean, it's I mean we saw last year how much Gentry improved from his first uh, what couple of years. I mean, he was a, he looked like a completely different player, and now heading into year. Uh, in, in the 2022, he's going to have a chance to be the number two tight end behind Friar Muth with Ebron out of the picture now. I mean, he looked, he was, a, he, you know, last year at training camp. I mean, he, he looked tremendous as a blocker and he looked fairly effective at times as, as a pass catcher during the season last year. Uh, as far as, uh, as uh, Hayward, um, little, little, little Cam, so to speak, <laughs> his little brother, uh, that's great news. I mean, I, I, you know, it's hard to really get too excited about things that happen during, you know, football and shorts, but if he's picking things up fairly quickly and he doesn't look lost to me, that's, that's huge going in the train, his first training camp here. So, uh, I mean, I'm excited, you know, uh, it's hard to believe that, 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 that Connor Hayward's going to be going to be a uh, a tight end at five foot eleven, two hundred and thirty pounds. But uh, you know he's a he's certainly a, a versatile player. He won an award for versatility at, at Notre Dame. It was Notre Dame, Michigan State. I'm sorry, Michigan State. So um, I can't wait to see what, what how they utilize him. You know, you 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 can't always rely on your top two or three draft picks to come in and be major contributor. Sometimes you have to hit on those lower round picks. And if Connor Hayward could be one of those guys, you know, I mean, he's an instant fan favorite. Yeah. Javier says of Gentry, he had some big catches last year. He did. He did. I remember that. I mean, you know, there were times when I, I forgot that it was Zach Gentry. That's how much different he looked different physically last year. I went to training camp and, and, and just seeing him in person, he did not look like the same person he was his first couple years here uh yeah yeah javier i think gentry's around six eight he's close to it he's a pretty big guy anyway but again thank you for the five dollar super chat mean joe always appreciate it so it was a fun night and then we're at the uh, 48 minute mark of the show so i think it's time before i forget and go past uh the 60 minute mark, it's probably time to, to hang them up and go eat some uh, late, eat a late dinner, watch some streaming TV, 
and uh, bask in the glow of my Friday Night Steelers family. You guys are awesome. And uh, I'll see you again on Monday night with Brian and Shannon. Until then, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the beginning portions of the quiet part of the Steelers offseason. And keep checking back to Behind the Store Curtain for the written stuff. Keep looking for those podcasts. We're, we're throwing them at you fast and furious. It might be the quiet time for, for the Steelers, but it's not the quiet time for us ever. So we're going to keep bringing you great content, and we hope that you check it out. So have a great weekend, and go Steelers. Good night, everybody. Stop and check it out. Models are-